What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of Blowing the Doors Off. I'm your host, Brett Morris. Uh, I got my brother, Andrew Sherwin, in here with me. What's up, dude? Hey, man. Uh, I hope you guys finally got some good weather, because we sure did. Uh, it's not terrible. It's not exactly where I'd like it yet. Uh, we're flirting with like the, the 50s and 60s still, a 70 degree, 70 degree day in there, here and there, but tons of rain, uh, high winds, it's the usual spring here in Indiana, tornado warnings and all that good stuff. Uh, wind. We used to not have to fight that down here in the south a whole lot, but here in the last few years, I've just noticed that it is really windy a lot. Like, cause I used to, uh, from back when I lived in Michigan, you know, windy is a different thing there. Right. You know, windy is like 25 mile an hour sustained 40 mile an hour gusts in the winter time. I'm like sustained any kind of wind here in the South over about eight miles an hour is not really what I remember growing up being like. Yeah. Well, I'll take anything uh, above 40 degrees this week since I uh, froze my ass off in Martinsville. <laughs> uh, I heard that they may, that may have happened. <laughs> uh, that's one of the coldest races I've ever been to, no matter if it was a cup, uh, late model, dirt, anything. That's probably one of the coldest races I've ever been to. Well, that's why I put in my notes the uh, balmy Martinsville. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could, I'm sure we could share war stories about going to uh, races in inclement uh, weather conditions. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I don't want to uh, go too far into my details of my of my race just yet. When we when we talk about the Martinsville race, I'll kind of tell you my experiences from everything, and I definitely had a good time, and I would definitely go back. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one good thing about going to NASCAR is even if the weather's not the best thing in the world, like you, you can still, I mean, you kind of got to be an ornery cuss not to have a good time. No, oh, absolutely. You can always find something to do, uh, things to do, people to see events, concerts, all that good stuff. But, uh, let's, let's dive into, uh, some news from this week leading into, uh, the Bristol Dirt Weekend, uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt to run RCR number three Xfinity uh, race at Talladega. I think that's a great opportunity for Jeffrey. Uh, it absolutely is. Um, I think we're going to continue to see uh, any of the Earnhardts that want to race like the, this being the kind of opportunity that will present itself a one off at Talladega. I think uh, there's probably a, a whole host of people that wouldn't mind being on the car for one race. If it's an RCR car with an Earnhardt behind the wheel, there's just still some magic to that. There always probably will be. Yeah, and seeing an Earnhardt in a number three at Talladega makes it even more special for for that Earnhardt crowd there at Talladega. I know that's that's definitely Earnhardt country. You see a lot of that when you go to Talladega. Oh yeah, you can hear um you th this was the first time I'd ever been to a race when I went to Talladega in the fall of 2008. Was the first time that I'd ever heard the crowd cheer over the cars. Like when Earnhardt takes the lead at Talladega, it's just a different thing. Like I don't know how to describe it. It's just, know, it's it, different. I don't, you know, it's like whoever your goat is for whatever sport is your favorite. Um, I mean, I wouldn't liken it in a lot of reasons to tiger, but it's somewhat similar, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. you know, Earnhardt tradition obviously goes back 70 years uh of racing and nascar and all that stuff but uh yeah i think it's really cool they decided to pull the three out of the mothballs because i don't think anybody's raced that for richard in the xfinity series since ty Dillon left that car to go to the 13 the germain racing car yeah uh i i've actually heard what you what you mean at talladega as well the first time i went to talladega was 
the fall race and it was junior's last race at talladega and he took the lead with probably 50 laps to go or something like that and that's ex- they were coming through the front stretch right at pit road uh when he when he took the lead and it, you could hear him over the cars that were 30 deep and going 200 miles an hour you could hear the crowd just roaring all the way down through there yeah yeah then the only other time i've i've ever heard that at a racetrack period not doesn't matter driver doesn't matter track and i've been to a bunch of them um the only other place i ever heard that was also at talladega when chase elliott was declared winner after that line rule they have in the overtime when they officially announced that chase had won the race the place went bananas i bet uh that that says what does he have more than one win at talladega or is it just that one as far as i know it's just that one that's what i thought um you know we're gonna get a lot of these uh throwback scheme news or you know, showings from, you know, they put the car in the Hall of Fame and rip the cover off of it and show their throwbacks. But I I, I thought this one was really cool. I, I think they've done it before, a version of it, but uh, Alex Bowman to honor Mark Martin, Darlington throwback weekend, 1993 scheme, and it looked pretty sharp. Yeah, well, uh, Hendrick has been a, a Valvoline uh, team for – Oh, I don't know. Maybe since about 2014, because they were Quaker State before that. Yeah. Um, but they've ever since they went back to Valvoline being having a primary position on their cars, at least for some number of races, they've done this kind of a throwback, just old school, red, white, and blue, you know, Valvoline scheme and it just looks so crisp and so clean it doesn't even matter what number you stick on the door (laughs) it just looks good looks like a race car absolutely and i'm i've never been to darlington i've always wanted to go for the throwback weekend i'll I'll make it i'll make it there one of these days but uh just seeing everybody do the the throwback schemes for that weekend i think is probably one of the coolest things that nascar has throughout the whole entire season Oh, without a doubt. Um, when some of that Days of Thunder stuff started thro- showing up, when they were kind of running out of some ideas on what it did, what they did was they picked way too big of time periods in which to throw back. Not not thinking ahead to the fact that they're maybe going to do this every year for a long time, <laughs> right. and you run out of decades really quick when your first season was in 1949. Uh, and so they, they kind of willy-nillied a few of them, and that's when some of those Days of Thunder cars started showing up. And, and just it's just a cool weekend. Like I said, there's nothing like Martinsville uh, in the way that it's old school. Darlington is, an, is a whole other kind of old school. Like it just – something about it just feels right when you're there. You're just like, this, this, this feels like this track belongs here. All this, it all fits. It just seems to all go together. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to uh, go down there one of these days. Maybe you can escort me and show me around. Oh, yeah, that's a must. I mean, you if you go, we, we got to go together. That's that's all there is to it. It's just a matter of how many people we haul with us, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Are the oh, women we... folk coming to this one? And, oh, you, know, yeah. you know, obviously they're welcome. Oh, um, sure. You know, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't want to miss your first trip to Darlington. It, it, it's such a special place. Yeah. We'll have to, we might have to throw that together. Maybe we can work on that for next year. Cause we're what a couple weekends away now. It probably be, wouldn't probably wouldn't work out now. <laughs> no, no, this, th- that kind of thing. You know, I think our days and I, I'll say this hour collectively, uh, being in similar positions, uh, in, in terms of parenting, mm-hmm. the, the days of, uh, waking up on Friday morning and saying, you know what, let's go to the racetrack today. <laughs> like, and it'd be like two States away. Yeah. Those, those days are, are probably all, all done until the kids are, you know, paying their own bills. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, 
I was definitely wore out when I uh, got home at about five o'clock Sunday afternoon. I was tuckered out. Uh, I'll get into the details on that. Well, I'll go ahead and tell it. So we, we left there. We, we didn't have a, a hotel book. We were just going to drive until we found a place to stay. Little did we know that for some reason in Virginia, the way we were going home, it was a, I guess a very popular route. So I bet you, I called 20 hotels all booked up and I'm not talking about like, you know, a half hour from the track or something like that. We're two hours. We're two hours from the track and it's three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, dude, we have got to find a place. I'm, I'm ready to crash right this second, you know? Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) And finally I found one. Uh, somewhere on the highway there in Virginia, but uh, it was about impossible to try to find a, a hotel on the way home. I won't make that mistake next time. I'll be booking it in advance. Yeah, well, that and uh, right then there is is why um, I think we stayed camping in a tent for so long, and I'd still do it again. Me too. Is the freedom that it offers you. You know, you, you book your campsite way in advance and you show up when you want to. You leave when you want to. You come and go as you please. You cook when you want to cook. You know, you're, you're not beholden to anybody's schedule except the racetracks. Right. And, and, you're, and you're usually pretty close to the racetrack for whenever something kicks off. Right. And, you know, and for instance, in this case, um, I can tell you the best place to camp. I already know it. I, I mean, the guy knows me, <laughs> well, he knows Rusty better, but, uh, you know, I mean, like I, there's a great spot. It's, you know, it's not the kind of walk you want to forget your cooler and have to go back and get it. But <laughs> if you do, you're not going to go, well, I guess I'm just not having what's in my cooler. No, you turn around and go get it. Cause it is close enough to do that. Right. We, uh, we rolled in, um, about one o'clock or one thirty or so on Saturday and everybody kept going in this one entrance or whatever. But when we were waiting in line to get in that entrance, cause we were just kind of going with the flow, you know, flow of traffic. And I looked down to my right. And I'm like, dude, there's a parking lot like right there and it's all free parking at Martinsville. And I'm like, let's just do this. So we pulled off down in through there. We ended up being pretty close to the track. Uh, you know, <laughs> really close to the track. I mean, when they started doing like the, the, the live bands and stuff down at the track for in the little pavilion, you could hear it start up. So I was like, Hey, let's, you know, throw a few things in the cooler and let's walk down there and check it out. And, uh, I bought a hat and the old lady, a shirt and he bought a sweatshirt and we just kind of walked around, listened to the music. And then I don't know, two hours or so before, uh, the race, we walked back filled our coolers back up and went up into the stands. Little, little did we know that it was going to start raining uh, the time we would go to walk up into our seats because it wasn't really calling for it. It was only like a 15% chance of rain. And, you know, we questioned that the whole drive there, you know, it's almost, it was like just shy of eight hours to drive there and it snowed and rained like the entire trip. And it's like, as soon as we hit like the Martin or the Virginia line and started going through the mountains, it just like one time we went like through this pass or whatever. And on the other side, it was just like a blue bird kind of day. And then it kind of got cloudy and stuff, but it hit, it hit us with the old, uh, mother, uh, mother nature rain. And it kind of sucked there for a minute. And then when it did rain after that, it just cooled off to, uh, measure that I didn't realize it was going to be. I was prepared. I had a sweatshirt and had a long sleeve under that, and you know my cushion to sit on, so my butt didn't get wet and all that kind of stuff. But I was not ready for 39 degrees and uh, pretty good winds there, 43 rows up. Uh, you could see every breath that everybody was taking around you, you know. But wow, uh, I didn't yeah. realize it was that cold. I'll send you a video when we get off here. I, I did it on purpose, just messing around, but I flipped my phone, you know, this video on myself and I just blew this big cloud of smoke out. And I was like, it is fucking cold boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, that's uh, not generally what you want to see at the racetrack. No. And you know, um, but it still was pretty cool. You know, we 
we watched the the thing is you know like every track has it i'm sure but being such a short track you know they got the video board and they do like this big intro video you know prior to like the national anthem and stuff like that we couldn't hear it because the jet dryers were going you know i was kind of it was showing like old martinsville races and like a a, a build-up video leading into them probably doing the national anthem but once they got to the national anthem part they shut the jet dryers down and did the flyover and was singing and all that but uh still really cool um everything price wise was super affordable i thought in my eyes the ticket um the concession stand uh even the merchandise i bought wasn't really all that expensive so um overall i i, I give i would give martinsville an a but with the weather i'm gonna give it a b <laughs> yeah just, just for the weather yeah yeah naturally that i mean that makes sense because you know what it's like to have perfect weather at the racetrack, and th- and that does impact your ability. You need to have a good time. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's uh, let's dive into this uh, Martinsville recap weekend. Uh, Thursday night truck racing he had William Byron take the win, which we all know how that turned out. Started his weekend off just right. Um, xfinity race <laughs> we could talk in length about the xfinity race um you know ty gibbs leads pretty much the whole race he's pretty much on rails you get some late race cautions uh, stacking them up and he goes down into you know one and two and brandon jones gives him the bump takes the lead fairly in my opinion for being a martinsville race they get down to the last corner and they all kind of washed each other out behind Brandon Jones, which I thought was just a product of the racing itself. You know, Landon Castle kind of stuck his car up underneath both of them and got through there and got his um, career high second place finish, which was really cool for Landon. And uh, Ty Gibbs was pissed, you know, and he's done that. How many, how many times? I mean, we talk about him every week. This should be like the Ty Gibbs podcast, but uh, you know, He's obviously very upset with Sam Mayer, which they have a, an extensive record against one another rivalry and uh, chases him down the backstretch after the race is over with uh, bumping and banging, you know, he gets fined $15,000 for that. They get him down into pit road. They get out of the car and uh, they start going at it, which was highly entertaining to watch. Uh, you know, most people are talking about him not taking his helmet off and all that, but uh, for being a little feller, he had a couple good punches on old Sam Mayer. Yeah, well, there was. It's been an interesting week of podcasts because uh, Dale Jr. had his aunt on and his sister, and they sort of talked about their perspective, uh, both of Sam. And how the situation unfolded. And then also they sort of, they talked about Noah Gregson when he got in his first little kerfluffle. Um, he went and took some MMA or kickboxing or some kind of striking class. And this, you know, basically had, you know, made himself the promise that uh, I'm not going to be in a position on pit road where I'm not ready to throw hands. And it looked an awful lot like Ty's been to some of those class sessions. <laughs> yeah. And the thing they talked about, and it made perfect sense, is is people who don't fight are watching to see where their punch lands, which it normally doesn't, as you've seen from every fight ever that's not professional. <laughs> right. um, but a good fighter has got two or three shots just in the bag waiting so they throw a punch and then they're already throwing the next punch while you're either ducking and moving yourself into position to get hit or you're backing away from having got hit. So you've already been hit. <laughs> and that's what it looked like with Ty is they got time to throw some hammers and Ty reached out and did a one, two and <laughs> yeah. kind of backed the whole situation up. <laughs> and by then there, you know, the cavalry arrives and then it's kind of just a, a hugging festival from there. 
yeah, you know, they're interviewing Sam Mayer, and he's like, it didn't even hurt. I didn't even feel anything as his eyes swell and shut when he's saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was yeah, funny. It's like, well, I mean, you, you want a guy to be tough and, and, and say that, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, okay, well, he got you good. Uh, we can all see that. your body's reacting to it (laughs) (laughs) but what do you think i want to know what your kind of opinion on this but you know he ty you know dished it out for three or four weeks in a row they dish it out on him and he wants to fight somebody on pit road he even said in his interview you know "I, i had one coming which i think he's probably got more than one coming but uh What's your thoughts on his reactions? Is it just a product of him being young and and dumb, or is it just a product of short track racing? I think it's a combination of all of it. Um, I think you throw in, you know, for all the good uh, that can come of a racer's career when, you know, your granddaddy is who his granddaddy is, you have opportunity. But you also have a big kick me sign on the back of your shirt because everybody knows you're in the fastest car and you're supposed to perform. So there comes with it a little added anxiety of that. And then, you know, uh, I would call it immaturity, not being able to connect the dots between what he did and has done previously on the track to what happened to him on the track. And then the uh, aftermath, so to speak, is... I don't know. Um, listening to somebody's team owner talk about their behavior of their drivers and and where they sit, I I kind of feel like we all better be just uh, you know let's slow you know let's slow with the axe, slow with the guillotine, whatever analogy you want to use because this is a nineteen year old, a right. nineteen year old, um, and. You know, I, I, I would, I would, I've recounted many a thing I probably shouldn't have in this space, this wonderful world we call the internet radio uh, podcasting. I've shared some stuff I probably shouldn't have. I don't want to share a whole lot about what life was like when I was 19. <laughs> right. I, right. I mean, I was in college and I was at a very challenging school and that was all good, but everything else was not, <laughs> right. you know. Grades, drinking, partying, dumb, stupid, you name it, all of it. Right. And and he's got, like, he's got a national stage he's racing on. He's His paycheck is, is bigger than any paycheck that I'll ever see. And, and like, what do you, what is it that we expect of this guy? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you could get, you could get huffy and puffy and say you don't, Oh, he's throwing a tantrum now because, you know, he did all that. All they did was the same thing to him. Yeah, well, this is the way he handles it. And if he owns it, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, he's, if he's like, I'm allowed to rough you on rough up on the track and you're not allowed to rough up me. And if you do, I'm going to you're going to hear about it from me. And some people, uh, that's just the way they race. You know, Earnhardt was that way. Uh, you know, people. You know, it's so easy to lionize the past when, it, especially when it's a real show enough hero like Dale. But I mean, the guy would sacrifice winning races just to wreck the guy who was he was pissed at. <laughs> I mean, there, there's no there's no higher level of immaturity at work than that. Yeah, because you're spending thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars in the process of doing that. Right. Uh, you know, and we've heard people talk about it uh in in recent shows but um he's kind of becoming um you know that next Kyle Bush he's going to have the Kyle Bush-esque booze during driver intros that's going to happen for him you know and, and he's going to be the heel that's about as plain and simple and he better embrace it or he's going to get run through the ringer pretty quick I think well I think I, I think it's a lot higher potential for emotional stress to derail his career than his driving ability. Um, you know, I mean, if you think about similar place in career, kind of Ross, 
Ross made never made any bones about the, his approach to racing and what he was there to do. All right. And he doesn't care if you don't like it. Ty's going to say that, but he better better be thinking it too. He better feel it. He better love it. Everything about him needs to be about I don't care what other people think. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Xfinity's got the weekend off. Uh, let's go ahead and give it to him, like you said. Uh, Race of the Weekend Award uh, uh, once again for the season. Uh, hopefully that number doesn't start stacking up considerably against the Cup Series because Xfinity racing is kind of a must-watch right now with everything they got going on, in my opinion. It it's been it's it's been a very exciting series for a while now. Uh, I would say when it first started coming on TV regular was with ESPN in '06. And I started watching then because I couldn't get enough NASCAR content. But I agree with you 100%. I think right now it's a toss-up between Trucks and Xfinity. Uh, which series is the most exciting to watch in terms of start to finish a race? I think Xfinity is – they're kind of head and shoulders above everybody in that. You're, you're about guaranteed – that if you have an Xfinity race, you're going to have a fun Xfinity race. There may be some nonsense, but it won't be the same kind of nonsense as in the trucks, which is also what makes them fun. But it's just, it's, it's a little different. I don't know. I, I'm not sure how to describe what I really want to say about it. Other than right now, it, it arguably and it may not even be arguable that it's the it's the most entertaining of the three series. Yeah, it's just got that drama, you know, the drama and um it, I mean it's good racing too. Um but it's got that, you know, that high drama to it and it, it's very entertaining to watch. I I I've been a huge fan of the Xfinity series nationwide bush all through the all the sponsors they've had. I, I've always loved watching them. So let's uh let's talk some uh some cup racing from from Martinsville. We haven't even dove into that yet. Uh what do you think? What what I didn't get to see the TV broadcast of of this race yet. I need to go back and watch it. Uh what's your thoughts on the Martinsville Cup race? I only watched it on mute and there was a couple of things that stuck at stuck out to me. And it didn't just stick out because I'd already heard them said it. Now, maybe it allowed me to pay more attention to it because it was something I was looking for. But my first reaction, you know, I look up, okay, we're 80 laps in, we're 200 laps in, we're 300 laps in. Where in the hell is the damn rubber? There's no rubber on the racetrack. And that very well could simply be a product of the temperature of the air and therefore the temperature of the asphalt slash concrete. Um, you know, we won't dive way deep into the chemistry behind the chemical compounds that are in rubber, but I'll tell you this, the window of opportunity for what Goodyear is trying to do. Um, it's not very wide, you know, so something as simple as it being 15 degrees cooler than normal, uh, ambient air temperature uh, could be the difference between a great race and a terrible race. Yeah. From, you know, like, you know, watching it, watching it live sitting there in the stands, what, what really, you know, and, and that it's, it's the same thing, the product of, you know, the rubber, not really laying down, but it was just single white, you know, single lane racing there in the, all in the same groove. You know, I kind of, you know, after the first stage break, I kind of, you know, leaned into the guy I was with. I was like, what the hell's going on here? Like, what are we missing? And obviously we, you know, we're not seeing that, you know, the, the announcers talk about it and maybe not processing in our brains, you know, watching it live because it's different. You know, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Why are, why are they one lane? Why is there not really that much passing going on? Why haven't I seen anybody put a bumper to somebody? You know, I, I didn't really even see that. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to see. 
I wanted to go to Martinsville and watch him beat the bang and hell out of one another, race hard, temper flare up. You know, I wanted to see that kind of race. Am I mad that I didn't? No, because I still had fun at the racetrack. It don't matter what happened. But I wanted to see that, that type of race play out. And it was just like, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, you know, it never really stopped, you know, <laughs> besides the stage breaks. And the, uh, they had like two other cautions that they threw out that, you know, Denny slowed down one time and then uh, Todd Gillen scraped the wall for a second and they threw it out at the very end to try to get a, you know, a good finish, a green-white checkered finish out of it to maybe salvage the race. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, so, and this you may not have been able to pick up on without any communication uh, via radio or, or whatever, listen to a scanner or just the television or the radio broadcast is they were actually downshifting at Martinsville in the cup cars. And that is bad. (laughs) That means more speed through the corner and, you know, what everybody's been saying and what I don't just believe I know to be true. The best racing that we will see in this sport is when the discrepancy between the end of the straightaway speed and the center of the corner speed before they pick the throttle back up. The largest you can make that difference, the more you're going to put the race in the driver's hands and force them to take chances and drive the race car. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought maybe at the end with the green, white checkered, I thought one of those cars behind him, you know, screw it. I'm sending this, I'm sending it deep, you know, you get to his bumper or whatever. Uh, I just don't think they could get it. Like you said, the corner speeds were, they were flat hauling ass through the corners there. And you never see that at Martinsville. Yeah. And I think what it is, is what you see when that's happening is you see drivers that are likely in some like purgatory of being completely comfortable and completely uncomfortable at the same time. Um, you know, you had the independent rear suspension for the first time. You know, you could say, okay, we ran out at the Coliseum. Still a little bit different. It's twice as long of a track at Martinsville. But um, I think you had a lot of combinations there. You have very experienced racers that know exactly how to move somebody in a corner to only take or what I used to call and like to say harvest one position. I think that is the thing that gets lost when we start talking about payback and bump and run and old school, you know, bumper, bumper to bumper racing, using bumpers to race is, um, is sort of misunderstanding that, that these guys really don't, they don't want to wreck. They don't want to wreck everybody. They don't want to wreck themselves. They don't want to, they're not really trying to wreck the car in front of them. They just want it to move. Right. <laughs> and they don't, they're not interested in wiping out the field behind them. So you, there's a, there's a respect layer that ends up looking like boring. But the reality is, yeah, you could have just like we all learned in the very first racing game we ever got, you go to Bristol or Martinsville. What do you do when you haven't really learned how to gas and brake on a video game? Well, at Martinsville and Bristol, you just drive it straight down in the corner and blast it off, you know, return the damage off on your car and just blast it off the other two cars that are there and just never even turn, you know? It's funny that you brought that up, uh, video game racing. So uh, Sunday night, you know, I get home Sunday afternoon. I had to take me a little bit of a, a cat nap. I was pretty wore out. But you know what the first thing I did when I got up was? I went downstairs and broke it out. I haven't had it out in oh, probably almost a year or so. I broke out the steering wheel and pedals, put it on. A t- I have a little table that I can mount the, the steering wheel to where it won't move. And I, I put a little piece of carpet on the floor and put the, you know, the, my uh, pedals on there, turned on the PS4, started doing some Martinsville. I was like, I want to see how good I can run. And I ran like 150 laps just messing around, like within the practice session, just playing around, you know, it was fun. You know, it's fun to be able to do that. You know, it's obviously not even 
close to what they're doing, but it just kind of put me in that mood to want to do some racing. Well, yeah. I mean, it gets you close enough though, right? It, 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 what it's doing is it's driving the same behavior in your brain. Like your brain is being fed by this exposure to racing. And now you have another way to do it. That's very congruent to what you're already seeing. And you're like, Oh yeah, I was just at this racetrack. I remember seeing that scene right there. Oh, look at that. It feels like this when I hit it. Yeah. You know, however your vibration settings are set or whatever. No, it's, but. it's a, uh, I can't even remember what they call it now, but it's like when you, it, you're fighting the wheel. It, I can't remember what that's called now, but uh, it's like driving a car. I mean, it's not like free. Like when you get tight, it, the steering wheel gets tight. If you hit the wall, it's rumbling and all that sort of thing. It's very real on that aspect. And and Bristol's probably my favorite track to run on there. I got that, I got that track down pat. <laughs> nice. But it's it's fun to just play around on there. I don't pay for the internet subscription anymore, so I couldn't get on there and race with people. So and it's like a probably two year old game. They probably don't nobody probably even plays it anymore. But I just fired it up and felt like uh, running some laps. Yeah, buddy. I had a lot of fun. Uh, William Byron wins the race, second grandfather clock of the weekend. Uh, pretty cool for Willie B, I think. Do uh, you think uh, this is kind of like it? I mean, he's the first driver to have multiple wins this season. Uh, you know, and I think I heard uh, Hendrick like 10,000 laps led at Martinsville or something like that. Um, I think it was kind of a dominating, dominating weekend for Mr. Byron. Yeah, uh, the kind of weekend that dreams are made of. Absolutely. You know, and and I wish I would have done it, but I was looking at odds prior to the truck race, just on like FanDuel or whatever. And he he wasn't even that high on the list on the the, the odds to take. I can't remember exactly what it was, but going back, I was like, damn, I probably should have put at least 20 bucks on that or something. I probably would have paid out pretty good. Yeah, probably. But as sure as you did that, he'd erect. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's that's my luck on that for sure. Uh, at the end of the towards the end of the race, I don't know if it was just a, a product of it running later because of the rain delay, but Martinsville ran out of hot dogs. I heard. <laughs> wow, what an uproarious occurrence! <laughs> right? Uh, How does Martinsville? You know, right? Their their claim to fame is the Martinsville hot dog, and you run out. Yeah. I mean, what can the inventory on those things cost? Nothing, <laughs> right? I and mean, you can't tell me have, some redneck walking out of there at the end of the race wouldn't take like a whole freaking box of hot dogs. You know, I tell back you what, I'll I'm, take a whole box. Yes, I'm driving home. Those boxes they have pre-made where they just grab yeah. from you go like, ah, uh, I don't know. You want to give me twenty bucks for the whole box? Yeah, yeah, I do want to give you 20 bucks for the whole box. It's, I mean, this like Rusty and I used to have this recurring story in Bristol where the, what we called fat ass pizza, because where we entered our campground, there was always a dude with a delivery van there. Yep. I remember that. Selling pizzas. Yep. And, and it's like, would you like a pizza for $10? You could have, I mean, I, it wouldn't (laughs) matter. Yes. Hell yeah. Give Hell me two. Yeah, I want a pizza. Get, yeah, I mean you got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I want I want to see how close you are on this. I don't remember if I told you the number or not. How many hot, Martinsville hot dogs did I eat during the cup race? During the cup race. During the cup race. Normally scheduled or like this No, is- like you know, whatever. At the I was at the track. I, I was there in track an hour, hour and a half before the race started, but with the rain delay, how many hot dogs do you think I ate? 11. Close, close. I ate 10. I ate 10 Martin hot dogs. I was stuck on 10, and then I was like, ah. <laughs> but uh, I would have ate 10 more if I had uh, had them, but I, tell you I went what. down the last time, they didn't have any more. It's, I mean, you know, for what it is, everything is what it is, right? If people love to ask you about what's your favorite restaurant and like, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. I, it, I can find something to eat everywhere. Like there's only a few restaurants that ever stick out in my mind as, yep. I enjoyed every bit of that $84 steak or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you know what a Martinsville hot dog is because you know how much it costs in 2022. 
<laughs> okay, so for what it is, I mean, it's the the Martinsville hot dog is the equivalent of the varsity hot dog here in Atlanta. Like you go to the varsity and you say, "I want a varsity dog." Well, that's what you're getting. You're getting exactly what you get at Martinsville. You're getting chili and mustard and slaw, and and that's it. And that, and if your expectation is something different, then then you don't know what it is that you walked into. <laughs> right. Like you didn't. This isn't like you know. This isn't Avondale and Roswell, Georgia, and and there's like thirty dollar a plate food trucks. This isn't that. This is this is old school. And uh, eat you some hot dogs, damn it. Yeah. Slop, sloppy <laughs> and ass Martinsville, hot dog. uh, don't run out, you jerks. Those things freeze. No kidding. I, I would have ate 10 more had I got the hands on. Well, and how many <laughs> Southern Super Series and whatever else do they run there? It's like, hey, you're going to need more hot dogs. They, by the way, it says like right on the package that it basically never goes bad. <laughs> That's what all that shit on the back it's just says. just a bunch of scraps anyway. <laughs> as ingredients, it's, uh, it really should just say, this shit lasts forever. <laughs> Roaches and hot dogs is what's going to be left after nuclear holocaust. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, uh, you know, we go from, in my opinion, you know, I wouldn't say it was a shit show. I wouldn't say that. Uh, it was still racing, and it was there were still good points in there. Uh, but we roll we roll into Bristol dirt. Um, what? What are your opinions on this? Yes, two thumbs down. I'll give it four thumbs down. I'm going to give it a chance this weekend. You know, I've been I watched cup practice as we're sitting here talking. I watched a little bit of this truck practice and and everything they got going on there today. I'm gonna to give it one more chance. But if not, please and I beg you, Bristol Motor Speedway NASCAR, please bring back our spring Bristol race. It is. Yes, it rains like every freaking year there. Why are you going to run dirt somewhere it rains every year, you know? But it's such a good track. The the concrete, not the dirt. The concrete is such a good race and we don't have that many short tracks on the schedule anymore. So why take another one away from us? Everyone with the sane mind, that's their argument and I got nothing for that argument other than to agree that of all the places, I mean, Bristol by and large, is the mecca of NASCAR. Yes. I mean, when you think about where it is, its proximity, all the lore of Appalachia and the moon shining. And, I mean, it's on Copperhead Road, for fuck's sake. <laughs> right. right? I mean, that's not an accident. No. Um, so, yeah, I don't – no, no dirt at Bristol, damn it. No. I mean, I, I give last year's race a solid – uh, negative three Earnhardts. <laughs> All right. Negative three Earnhardts. I, I give it no another interest. negative. Uh, sorry. I, I give it another negative three Earnhardts for this year, and it hasn't even started yet because you're running on, on Easter, so you're taking away so much from, yes, it's Easter night, but the, the, the crowd that goes to that track and the people that live close to that track or in proximity that's going to go to that track I can almost promise you they're they're probably going to some kind of family dinner or family lunch or an Easter service at their church or whatever that might be. Uh, but I, I'd say that's probably going to fuck up their attendance a little bit. Uh, it'll certainly, uh, with their overnight attendance for sure, I would think, would be hurt significantly. And, and if you think about it this way, you know, it, it is a rare occurrence that, that Easter is this late in the year. Um, but the other things that mucks up in proximity is, you know, everybody's already had spring break. Like, so this weekend is not a spring break weekend, not, not anywhere around where I'm at. Right. You know, they've already had it either two weeks ago or last week. And so, you know, it was, they used to try to their best to pair Easter with spring break just because, right. It's kind of a big holiday. And um, so, yeah, I think overnight, it for sure is going to be hurt. Uh, walk-ups probably going to be hurt. Um, I think if you think about traditional Southern values, running this race on Sunday night probably makes more sense than Saturday night. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. they're still going to suffer from it being Easter weekend. And the fact that the general consensus from the, the, you know, the meeting of the minds, the people that, that I like to listen to, because I think they actually speak intelligently about the sport, at least their perspective. Um, nobody wants to see this race be a dirt race. Like, no, let's run a dirt race. Just not at Bristol. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, if you want to okay. make it like an exhibition race somewhere or something like that, I, I, I don't know. You could get on a whole tangent on exhibition races in itself. Uh, if you want to run a, a dirt race, uh, figure it out another way. But don't take my Bristol away from me. I love Bristol. It don't matter if it's a night race or the spring race. I've been to both. And, and you know, the spring race is usually at, what, 1 o'clock or something. So, you you know, by 5 o'clock or, or so, they're they're headed home. You know what I mean? And, and they're definitely not racing it on Easter. Not that I have a huge problem with the Easter thing, but I think what we were talking about with the, the Southern values and all that, I don't know. We could go on all night on why we want, want it to be back on the concrete, but uh, hopefully somebody somewhere listens to, listens to the people that know what they're talking about when it comes to that. Yeah, exactly. I think even you hear a lot of drivers already, you know, they've been saying it. They're like, yeah, let's race on dirt, but not Bristol. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah. That's, the, I mean, that's dyed in the wool NASCAR. Yeah. And how many times have you been to the spring race and they got rained out? Yeah. <laughs> like every uh, time. <laughs> and when it wasn't rained out or rained around, are all up in uh it snows yeah i remember that <laughs> that was cold um yeah but, but they need to they need to switch some things up for sure but um for anybody that doesn't know the format of the races on sunday slash saturday uh they're doing some qualifying races on saturday um i don't remember exactly how many laps they are but it determines the running order for sunday night uh, stages are 75, 75, and 100 um, for the race on Sunday night. So uh, it's going to be different, man. Obviously, we, we dealt with it a little bit last year, but uh, I just can't believe that they did it again, to be honest with you. Um, I'm kind of surprised by that, too. I, I don't – I think – I think this was flash in the pan last year to try to – a last-ditch effort to make spring closer to what the fall draw is and even they had to move that into the playoffs to get it back to kind of what their expectations are from in terms of tickets sold so yeah i think this this is probably going to be one of those glad you tried it let's not do this again yeah Uh, i don't know if everything's on a two or a three-year cycle now or what um, I'm sure the TV deal is driving a lot of these different behaviors that NASCAR is doing, um, with that pending. Um, yeah, I don't, I think one of the things I already noticed as I was perusing Twitter is that, uh, the ongoing theme of, uh, keeping moisture in the track just being such a challenge because yeah. you, you don't have a base of wet dirt. You have dry concrete well they put they did it actually different i was watching a segment on it earlier they put sawdust down and then they put like several layers underneath that and it's actually like what you see if you're watching the tv right now this truck practice it looks like concrete but it's not it's actually clay and there's several different sections that they put down of, of the clay like the the actual concrete services like I can't remember exactly how far, but it's a pretty good little lake underneath all that dirt, which is pretty wild. But they did like some dirt and clay from the area and stuff like that. So I think they did the the, the track a little bit different, but um, everybody knows when you go to a dirt track, if it rains, you're screwed. They're not going to run it because it'd be straight mud. So I don't know. Well, and then and the, the exact opposite is is every bit is bad at, from entertainment value because you can't see anything in a dust storm. Yeah. And I think that's what they're fighting right now or have been so far today is if it doesn't rain at all, how do we keep enough water in this racetrack for it not to just be a dusty mess? And I think 
the answer to that is it's going to be a dusty mess or it's going to be a muddy shit show. <laughs> there's not there's not a whole lot of in between really. I mean, no, not on what you created, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you're going to water the track and stuff, but you know, 75 laps with 36 to 40 cars, hot, very hot cars drying that surface out, man. It you know, it's going to look a whole lot like they're racing on slick asphalt by the yeah. end of each stage because it's just going to be caked up with rubber yeah for sure i, I agree with you so uh, i got you last week on picks so you lead four races to three races um going into bristol dirt uh what's your pick weekend what did i write down you told me bubba Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How did I forget that? <laughs> I think you're spreading the wealth pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, Bubba ran well there uh, in the past. He's run well at Eldora. I mean, I don't know that being a function of a good dirt racer, I'm not sure how much it matters for the way these cars handle. I don't I, think so I'm, I'm not convinced that it really matters that much at all. It, what matters is can you make your car just go a little bit faster than everybody else's? How much can you hold on to it as the track changes? You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Uh, can you watch? Can you see it change before it actually changes and change your line? All those things. If if we see that, and we see some bumping and beating and banging, then we may just have ourselves a little race. But I think it's only going to be a product for TV because of the way they can light it. Yeah. Um, I think in the stands, you're not going to see shit. <laughs> you're just going to see dust flying everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, I, I haven't done it yet. I'm going to go Homer this week. I am going chase Briscoe this week. All right. I like my pick. Uh, he didn't look too bad in practice earlier. So, We'll, we'll go with that. My my lap traffic fantasy pick for the week is Tyler Reddick, which I don't think is gonna is gonna be too bad of a pick either. No, no, I toyed with the idea of picking him too. But uh, that does it. that pretty much does it for us for this week. Uh, I, I'm excited to get to watch some racing. You know, last week being at the track, I'll be. A, a little more more comfortable this week on the couch, you know, get me a little spot Sunday night, probably be full from, from, uh, Easter dinner. But, uh, tell us, uh, we're, tell us everybody where they can find us at on social. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at, uh, B T D O podcast. You can find us at uh, blowing the doors off on Instagram. You can find me at pregame engineer, on in, uh, Twitter and Andrew L. Sherwin on Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter at bwayne8589. And don't forget, we still got that Ross Chastain signed hat for the people that may have not, maybe new to the show this week. Uh, go to the Twitter, find that post, uh, follow the details on that. But uh, we're still waiting to give a, a Ross Chastain signed hat away. So everybody go check that out. And you guys have a good Easter. Skew. Yeah. <laughs>